Welcome to the 40 Under 40 podcast with your hosts, Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. They are two entrepreneurs who speak to other entrepreneurs under the age of 40, so you can learn from their successes and failures along their journeys of building businesses. 40 Under 40 podcast hopes to educate, motivate, and inspire people to pursue their dreams of starting a business, regardless of age. And now, here are your hosts, Caitlin and AJ. Welcome back to the 40 Under 40 podcast. Woohoo! That was a great welcome back, Caitlin. Yeah, you know, my voice changed a little bit, but not mad about it. You know what's so cool? Like just this remote life, like you're where you're at. I'm where I'm at. People are all around the world right now. Yeah, You can do so much nowadays. It's the future, right? Truly, truly. And it's great because it minimizes traffic, driving time, stress levels. Good for the environment. There's a lot of benefits. So many benefits. Well, our next guest, uh, his whole business is all about uh, helping the remote workers and remote companies and people ops he's he's all about the people ops and if you don't know what that means he's gonna he's gonna tell us because we're about to ask (laughs) we have more questions i met john when we were at notre dame we went to notre dame same years uh awesome guy entrepreneurial was he entrepreneurial at notre notre dame (laughs) you have trouble with that we just say notre dame i don't know you're trying to put like an accent on it well we're about to ask him about that so All right. So John, he's the co-founder and CEO of Gather. Uh, That's a tool that helps HR and people operation teams build scalable people operations like onboarding over Slack, huge platform that a lot of people are using. Yes, Slack. He is an alumni of Y Combinator, Venture for America, and like we just said, Notre Dame. I can't without you saying Notre Dame. John, welcome. So great to have you. So good to see you. Hello. Hello. So, John, tell us a little bit about your company and what you do. Yes, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Gather. Gather is a tool for people operations teams. Uh, For people that don't know what people operations teams are, it is a kind of updated, more modernized version of HR and then the HR function. So we help them to build scalable processes around um, things like onboarding, birthday, birthdays, work anniversaries, offboarding, parental leave, manager training, um, even can run like your, your weekly regular kind of standups or other sort of things using our software. And the key piece of it is that it integrates with Slack. And so we have a really deep integration with Slack. And um, that is obviously where many workers live now. Um, people, some of our best teams, you know, identify as like, you know, our office is Slack. Um, and so mm-hmm. totally um, that's where huge I live platform right now. There you go. There I you go. Slack. And so that's, um, you know, what we're kind of building off of is, is that idea and bringing the people ops stuff into there, um, so that you as an employee never have to log into another HR platform, which, uh, we found employees really don't like to do yeah. uh, because you just don't do it regularly. You don't do it often. It's something that, you know, that is very important to that department, but not necessarily to you. So, so and I feel how like, did you get started with that? Yeah. yeah. What's your entrepreneurial journey? Oh man. Um, okay. So I was in a fellowship called Venture for America and I was working at a startup at a time. Um, and that startup uh, was scaling. There wasn't an HR people team. Um, and okay. so this was right out of college. 
This was right out of college, correct? Okay. So right out of college, I, I went and joined this fellowship called Venture for America. I worked as a designer at a about at the time when I started, it was about 15 employees, grew to about like 30 to 40 um, before I left like three years later. Wow. Um, and we were, uh, it was a live video streaming product, so totally unrelated to HR. We were really curious about, um, or I was really curious about like remote work and and where was that going to, to go? I had had and the this opportunity. this was before COVID. Oh, this is way before COVID. Yeah, yeah. This is wow. like 20, ahead of the game. 2018, you know, ish. We I had had the opportunity to work remote where like I would I would go out and visit one of my I the company was based in Cleveland. One of my best friends from college was based in San uh, San Diego. And so like what better reason in the middle of February in Cleveland to go fly out to San Diego for two weeks. Absolutely. And, like, hang out in their place in Pacific Beach and surf in the mornings and then work the rest of the day. And so I had like gotten exposed to that and was like, wow, this is really going to be in my mind, the future, like there, there's going to be flexibility across the base. And so we started exploring opportunity areas in that space, in the, in the like HR remote work um, sort of world. And we did that through just a ton of customer interviews. So we started reaching out to everyone we knew who ran a hybrid team, especially, you know, some of the folks that are at the like really bleeding edge of this, I think there's a design principle called like design for the extremes. And so some of the extreme like remote companies were people like Todoist or, or Doist is the overall company buffer. So we talked to the people leaders at those companies and, and started to like understand what do they look like on the extreme side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like talk to a number of companies and HR folks who are running hybrid teams and thinking about what are the principles that they're using to run and, run and manage their teams over the course of that, like, you know, it was probably like three or four months of just like talking a lot of conversations. We probably had a hundred conversations with, with different people ops folks. I, I just kind of, I like, I don't know, we, we started to fall in love with the role and like what these people were doing. Like, I am not a very, like, I, I think I would be a terrible HR person if I was just like, as an individual, it's not my skill set. Um, I'm more of a, like a product person, a, a builder, but I really envied and admired the work that they did and saw that they were still had very poor tooling compared to what I was used to in the the product management or product side of the world. That led us ultimately to an oppor- to the opportunity area of, of helping them to automate some of these processes that they were doing and really just solving a problem that was in front of us and in front of them. So I'm actually, I'm curious because now remote work, everybody's talking about it, but some companies are actually pushing back on it uh, again, for whatever reason. I'm yeah. just curious what your thoughts are on that. And what are your thoughts on remote work in general and the future? Of productivity yes. levels, et cetera. Yeah. I, I think it'll kind of be like a bell curve where you'll have the extremes. You'll have the fully distributed companies, people that have people across time zones, across the world, they were fully async. You'll have people that are totally in office. And again, we're just talking about mainly white collar work here, like knowledge workers. Um, and yeah, then, you can't work remote if you're like a cashier. Yeah, or a grocery store. Okay, exactly. That's not gonna gonna fly. Um, and I think then the there will be like throughout the bell curve that like middle section will be mostly like hybrid, and then there will be all sorts of versions and flavors of that. Um, that's what I see the the future looking like. So you know, um, some will have very strict policies of you ha- you must be in the office two days a week. Uh, other people will be, you know, um, well we're going to do like three days in office. Uh, you know, you can be out here up to five, like there's going to be all sorts of different kind of combinations. All the hybrid. Yeah. 
you know, we have hubs. So like we, you can be in any one of these five cities. We don't really care. Um, but you like should come into the office and there'll be all sorts of different versions of it that people totally. will make up and it'll be dependent on the culture of the company, like what they're doing. And I think a lot of people will also like, like fail first, you know, things won't work well and they'll have to iterate and try again. And like, I don't see us getting to a state where people know what works in the, like a fully true hybrid world Yeah. Um, for a long time. Mm. Yeah, totally. Well, so how did all of this lead to gather? Like how did, tell us the story of that and like your co-founders and how you yeah. all came together. So one of my co-founders, Alex was working with me while we were doing a lot of that research. Venture for America is kind of an entrepreneurial centric fellowship. And so I met my co-founders through that. Um, mm, so they were all cool. working. Alex was actually working at Boxcast with me. We were working at the same company. Um, oh, our nice. third co-founder Brooks was at a different one in New Orleans they hosted what they called validation challenges, um, which I think is a really awesome idea where they would say, you know, Hey, you've got two weeks. We've got a thousand dollar prize. If you like win this competition, like valid, try to validate your idea in the best way possible. So Interesting. Um, used a methodology called riskiest assumption testing and like identify what are the biggest assumptions that will sink this business, uh, go out, test them, figure out like, how you can validate and de-risk and, and like be more certain that there's an opportunity here. Um, and so we went through one of those. We, we won that, won a little bit of money, used that to fly our other co-founder Brooks up from New Orleans. I had called like all the developers that I knew because I'm somewhat technical, but um, I tried, so we did like a, a week of me trying to build the app and we're like, all right, we're going to need some real help if we're going to make a real company out of this. Brought, uh, brought Brooks up for a weekend. We did a hackathon together. Like, let's see if we can spin up an MVP in a weekend. And, uh, and we did. And, and we had like this like really basic thing that like kind of did something. And that was enough to kind of, we, we continued to build on onto that over the next few months. And that was enough to get us into Venture for America's Accelerator. And that was our next kind of stepping stone. When you say you won that, uh, what do you mean? You pitched it and you got funding? Yeah, we, we pitched, pitched it to to the, the group that ran those kind of validation challenges um, and won $1,000. So, you know, like that was nice. enough to like incorporate and to, to fly Brooks up for the weekend. You know, I mean, those little costs that I think are... Um, I don't know. It's amazing how like it's it's such a small amount of capital, but when you have nothing um, to go towards your business, like a mm-hmm. little bit like that can make a huge difference towards feeling like super totally. validated, especially and, and, at like, the beginning. A little step, exactly. Like at someone believes in it. Yeah, yeah. Right. We're, sure. we're not crazy. <laughs> someone likes this. Um, yeah. So yeah, we went through that accelerator program. Um, that was a equity free accelerator, which is incredible. Um, and so it was nice. just, um, it didn't provide any capital to the business, but they did provide free housing for us, um, for wow. three months and, a, what a and perk. like a thousand dollar a month stipend. So it was like, that's like, great. You know, it was, wow. it was really incredible. So you just like, this have was the this VFA accelerator. Okay. VFA's accelerator. And so, um, we were in that with like six other companies and, uh, you're, you're working alongside them. Plus, you have like programming and advisors and mentors and all that kind of stuff and just working together to, to um, figure out, you know, over the course of that, we then started like reaching out to customers. We had a product that we could put in their hands. It was still very basic, nice. um, but that um, that was testable and usable. And like, we were able to get probably about like 10 people using the product um, for free. 
Wow. Um, and the product at that time was like designed around a very, very specific use case, which was like helping people collect information from their employees. Gotcha. Um, and it was like a, it was built by one of your co-founders at this point, or was this an outside Yeah, by, by Brooks and I, we were both, we were both uh, gotcha. doing, doing development at that time. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So go back to when we were, we discussed a little bit about like that initial capital that you got. Mm-hmm. And then at what point, talk to us about how you got more funding, where you are now, like that whole process of sure. getting capital as a new company. What is that like? It's like, I think there's like little stair steps to it. If you don't have the right network, it depends on where you're coming from, but most people don't have like, I mean, I I see founders who had worked at a VC fund before and they're able to like pitch a a validated concept to them and get a million dollars from them to go, you know, hire a dev team and like build out, you know, give it a go in the pre-seed stage. I don't think that's the case for most people. Um, So in our case, the next stepping stone was like out of that accelerator. We had a pitch at the end. There was like of those six companies, we were competing against each other for a little bit of capital. So we got another like $10,000 out of that, another $10,000 grant. So like, nice. again, like stair step to like, okay, we can like work for another few months, you know? And like, mm. um, and then we went out to some pitch competitions and we won some more capital from that. And like, um, we had a, a validation from like a people operations technology pitch competition and we won oh, nice. like, wow. like $25,000 for that. And I was like, Whoa, okay. Like, Whoa, this was in San Francisco this is happening. Uh, like, like someone, you know, like, wow, we're not just like a random Cleveland company. Like people appreciate and like, like this idea in, in like the place that it needs to be validated and needs to be heard from. So, um, that's cool. Those are, the, the kind of pitch competition stage, I think, is a really good way to just start to build momentum. Yeah, um, and, it, and it makes you feel good if you keep winning or at least getting placed because then yeah, it's like, okay, right. we're not, yeah, crazy. And it and, forces and you to get the idea down. Totally, and and practice some of those like early skills. And I, I wouldn't say that like, you know, pitching or like like in the format that pitch competitions are often done is like the most important thing to like running a business. You know, you can be really good at pitching a business and not very good at running or operating oh, totally. or building a yeah. business. Um, <laughs> but so it helps like, early it on. Helps. It helps. It also helps to just give validation, right? To like hear, you know, people be like, yes, this resonates, you know, and like, you know, that this from makes customers, sense. But, yeah. Um, so at this stage, we still had not engaged any sort of like, real investors or, or anything like that. It's also non-dilutive. So we still owned hundred percent of the business. You know? That's nice. Yeah. Um, which is great. And so at that stage, we had enough capital from pitch competitions from the end of 2019 to, to basically last us through 2020, you know, not, not paying ourselves well, but like, Hey, we can, we can survive. We can build this business over the course of this year. Um, and over the course of the next, the whole 2020, we, we ended up applying in the spring to Y Combinator. Um, we assumed that we would not get in because what is that real quick, just for people. Yeah. yeah. For people that don't know Y Combinator is a startup accelerator. Um, it's one of the first accelerators that has existed. They both invest in companies now, almost like 200 plus companies a year. Um, which is pretty awesome, the scale that they've gotten to. And it's, but it's one of the most like widely regarded ones. Companies like Airbnb, Stripe, uh, Instacart, all of those went through um, YC at some point. And a lot more that like, uh, that I'm sure you've you've heard heard of. of. That there's (laughs) a lot of more B2B companies or like uh, Rappi, which is like the the Uber Eats of uh, South Latin America. We didn't expect to get in. And so then they, 
uh, we, we actually, we ended up, di did get in in that, our very first time we figured we'd, we'd apply and then we'd like, they like to see reapplication, you know? So like you, you try and you show improvement from like, Hey, we applied six months ago. We're going to apply again. They have two cohorts they run throughout the year, but we ended up getting in that first time and um, nice. that was incredible. And so we, wow. um, you know, at, at that stage, they give us, they give you $150,000 um, for, I think wow, six percent of the business, um, and okay. so not bad, uh, six or seven, and so that that those terms are all open and and like visible on their website. They have like you know okay, so you knew package. what you were getting it's, into. Take it or leave it. Like this is the this is the offer. There's it's not no like Shark Tank where they're like fifty uh, percent, please. Plus, exactly. they're helping you tremendously. Correct. Yes, there's a ton of of the network and then advisorship and mentorship that goes on there as well as like the kind of culmination is an event that they call demo day, where you get to pitch in front of, you know, really the world's top investors, all of the, the big investment VC firms and people like that are there for wow. that event. And, um, and that's a really big, you know, and a nice opportunity. That's so, huge. Yeah. Yeah. So at that stage, you know, we had had around like, uh, like we had, had plus the pitch competitions winning were like a little below like $200,000 in, in like capital raised. Wow. Total. So, yeah, total. Um, and so, you know, that was, that, that's a great, a great start. And, um, you know, it sounds like a lot, but then you think like a, a average developer salary in San Francisco is all of a sudden it's gone. $150,000. Yeah. That's, oh, that's one year, you know? Um, so you're, you really do have to, to end up raising a lot more capital in order to, to, if you want to hire a lot of people and grow the business. So right. where, where are you at now? Can you talk about like yeah. revenue and that sort of thing? Like where you are at yeah. a, as a company? Yeah, I can, I can talk in like kind of general terms. So we've, uh, we then after Y Combinator raised a, a kind of pre-seed round. And so we've raised still under a million dollars in, in funding. We've grown the team to two employees uh, that we added in the spring. Um, in addition so, to you, like you, the founders, in addition to the founders, exactly. So our first two employees we brought in in January. Um, nice. so January Congratulations! Yeah, Thank that's you. huge. That was pretty big. So we've got, and then we have three more starting in August. So um, team will be. Oh my god! Growing. Um, and yeah. So our, and then revenue wise, um, we are, you know, in the like hundreds of thousands of dollars of uh, ARR. Um, so annual recurring revenue it, for those people who aren't familiar with like software as a service metrics, most software as a service is measured in annual recurring revenue, which is great. Um, you know, when you sign up for an annual plan of your Netflix or whatever, that, that all kind of accumulated oh. um, how, how those kind of things go. Cause are you subscription based? We are subscription based. Exactly. Yep. Most, okay. most softwares these days, pretty much all software this day, these days is. Yeah. Right. So true. That's a dumb question. Interesting. So they don't, <laughs> yeah. they don't count month to month subscription is that what you're saying they, they do as well so they, you know you'll see it measured in either arr or mrr so um MRR gotcha. is monthly recurring revenue yeah nice okay so okay so tell us about building a team like when you were looking for your co-founders obviously you all met in venture for america mm -hmm. uh how did you decide that you wanted to work together on this like what did you have in mind, like, oh, I need to find someone who complements this quality of mine? Or what was it just kind of a natural thing that you came together? Yeah, I think um, it's great to have people that are complementary skill sets. And I think my co-founders and I do have very complementary skill sets in a lot of ways. 
but I wouldn't say that like that was our intention. Um, you know, I think the, the hardest thing is just like finding people that are at the right stage in their life or career or like anything else to like, want to take that risk. So like when, for example, when we were trying to find a a technical co-founder to join us, um, Brooks ended up being that person who was at, you know, um, like we knew him through VFA. So that was like a good connection point. He trusted us. He had that like baseline level of like, I know these people, I know they're competent. Like I know their work, um, those sorts of things. And then, but to get to the second level of like, you know, Hey, I want to spend my like next year, instead of taking that engineer salary and in San Francisco, I'd rather ah. spend it with y'all trying to build a company and, and start something. Um, but that is kind of what you go for when you join VFA, right? It's like, being yeah, right, of- right. That, that's something that you kind of know pre-qualified. This person is interested in entrepreneurship or at least like has an interest in that, but not everyone does like end up going that path. And, you know, sure. when is the right time to become a founder? Like not everyone wants to be a founder. Some people love startups, love working in early stage, but like the pressure, the idea of starting something for nothing is not as attractive to them. And that's okay. Right. No, that makes sense. Okay. So, so oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I just was, I think like, that's the hardest thing that I found. I, I talked to, I reached out to like every tech developer and technical person in my network. And like, you know, they have to believe in the idea. They have to be passionate about the space and it has to be a good time for them. Um, you know, yeah, lots of things have to align. Yep, exactly. And so I, I talked to a lot of people who are like, wow, I really like this sounds like a great idea or like, I, I love what you're doing, but like, I also really like my job right now. Or like, I just had a kid or I just, you know, like whatever the kind of situation is that like has to, to make sense for them in the moment. Sure. No, that makes sense. And then when you're bringing on your first two employees, what were you looking for in, in them? Did you have like, number one, they have to be super passionate or was it like super skilled or kind of what advice do you have for hiring like yeah. good team members? For hiring, I, I think um, I, I found that like the best thing for us ended up being just having like really accurate job descriptions and thinking about how is this, like, what is this person going to fulfill for us early on? Um, because early hires, you know, shape and define so much of what you're, you're doing. Um, the, we ended up actually hiring um, Clara, our head of people, and she was based out of Prague. Um, and oh, that was not like cool. expected for us, but as like a company that was trying to be intentional, you know, has planned to be remote and distributed for a long time. Um, it was super exciting to be able to hire. Like she was just yeah. the best candidate mm-hmm. for the job. Right. Oh, and, awesome. and at the end of the day, like, like that's all we looked for was like, she had been er- worked as uh, like a head of people. She had worked in early stage companies. So she understood the context of like not having much structure. Gotcha. She knew other parts of the business because she'd worked in roles that weren't just people ops. And so, um, yeah, I think people, th- they need to be flexible when they're those first one or two hires because, um, but also really like thoughtful because they're laying down foundation that will be used for years to come or, you know, like, believe it or not, like, you know, from an engineering perspective, the, the code that they write will be, uh, you know, or the architectural decisions that they make will be set for, you know, the next years and years that you'll, you'll have to either deal with it if it's bad or like be so thankful for that. Exactly. Yes. You're like hoping they do a good job at laying that foundation. So with my last company, I was horrible at hiring and I just did a really bad job. Um, what advice do you have? Like, do you just get a ton of candidates? Do you have systems? Are you 
pre-qualifying? Like, how did it work for you guys? You know, we were, we kind of like spun up our own system where we were like, I, I think on the, on the developer side, it was important for us to try to shape a, a pretty like, um, like just a, a, a team that had came from a wide variety of backgrounds and try to source from that. And so, you know, we did job postings, we did, um, inner, like, um, we just, we did a whole bunch of stuff, but I wouldn't say any of it was like extremely calculating or calculated. Right. It was just like us trying and figuring out what we could do. Mm. Cool. Okay. So let's uh, talk more about your company gather. Like who are your target customers? How are you getting your customers? Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Like your business model and that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, so our customers are mostly, um, or like average size is about a hundred employees. Um, many of them are scaling quickly. So we do sell to a lot of other high growth startups, um, companies that maybe have like passed their series B level of, of funding, um, are, um, are, you know, trying to grow year over year, double their headcount or something like that, where they're hiring, you know, 20, 30 folks at a time. Um, so yeah, stuff like uh, like that's kind of our target customer. A lot of them are also pretty systems driven thinking about like, how do I build scalable processes and um, mm. have that in mind. So how, what was it like to, I'm assuming, cause I remember you said you had like 12 clients early on that were not paying and it was testing. I'm assuming your clients pay now. Yes. Um, they do. Yes. <laughs> so, so what was it like to get your first paying client? Like, what did that feel like? Did tell, talk totally. about that's a, that's a good story. So, um, our, um, we were in Cleveland and we didn't have deep, like the, Cleveland is a pretty traditional business scene. It's not that large. And there weren't a lot of like, we, we Googled like the, if you could, if you filtered on LinkedIn, the number of people operations folks who identified with that title, which is kind of a trigger for us. Like we know if they're using that title versus HR, they're probably good fits customers for us. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. That's something we found out kind of early on. And so there were 10 of them in Cleveland. Um, so there was very, very few people who we could like target it and, and talk to and even like interact with there. So we had to grow our networks outside of the local sphere. Um, and so we hosted what we called people ops dinners, where we just brought together like 10 people for a conversation around a specific like people ops topic. Um, so just really a networking event, but I think a kind of creative take where you got free dinner that we, we paid for, we hosted it in the, uh, in an office in New York city and like, um, went, you know, traveled. That was like a big move for us. And through that, we met, um, Brittany from Holler, who was their head of people, um, at the time she was actually at a different company and was like, at, um, was working part-time as this startups head of people. Um, and then she moved in there full-time, um, started using the product when we actually had a, this was, this was in the fall when we were still in the VFA accelerator. So we didn't really have a good, good product. We actually, that first one that I talked about when we had like 10 people using it, we totally scrapped that and threw that away. And in the beginning of 2020, like built the product from, from ground up again, mm. um, and so uh, they started and uh, started using the product as some of our first users. And then during Y Combinator, we actually didn't have any paying customers before then. And they were really pushing you to, you know, turn on revenue, like see, see what that's like. Um, ask that hard question of like getting someone to pay. And so um, we did that. We were able to 
to do that. And with her, because we, I think we had established trust over a long time and we yeah. were solving her pain points for onboarding. Um, nice. she came on board as the first customer in, uh, June of last year. So it was like June 28th or something like that of, of 2020. And so we were about a year into building the business before we got our first paying customer. Exciting. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, t- those timelines take a lot longer than you, you kind of think they will or might. Yeah. Um, I think that's and, good for our audience to hear. Like, yeah, it like, takes you know, time. It's not an overnight thing. Yeah. No, not at all. And, uh, you know, we probably could have or should have charged sooner, but like, w- you know, it, it took us time to build the software and build it so that it was useful. And we didn't yeah, feel you like it was get useful. Feedback. That. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So, okay. Oh, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go uh, ahead. I was going to say the, the, um, that like they then renewed this year and it was so fulfilling. Like that first contract was nowhere near the price it, it needed to be. It was just like a price that we were like, I don't know, like, will they pay this? And they're like, Oh yeah, of course. And <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. We've learned so much more about pricing and how much to charge and how much people are willing to pay and all that kind of stuff. And like now have a standardized pricing of $5 like per employee per month. And nice. um, they renewed at that $5, you know, at that full price point this year. And, um, it's super gratifying to like have your first customer be like, Oh yeah, we're so happy to be with you. Or like, let's do it, do another year at least, you know, and continue on. You said you learned a lot about pricing. How did you figure that model out? I'm curious. Experimentation, a lot of trial and error, Uh, a lot of just, and and we're still certainly trial and error. Like not everything about our pricing is perfect. And I'll also say uh, I would more largely group it as pricing and packaging because I think that's very important. What business model? So you guys asked or previously, we have a per employee per month model, um, and so the your your price is determined by your headcount, um, which as companies grow, their headcount grows, their contract grows, but so does their value. You know that we provide with right. the software. That makes sense. Um, and so. You know, it's similar to a company like Slack, but but everyone is a user of Slack versus our pr- platform is primarily used by the like uh, the HR people ops person and only interacted with by the employee over over Slack actually. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna rewind for a second, and then Caitlin's yep. gonna ask a question. Um, I w- when I was asked, we were asking about your business model earlier, and I'll just edit this in. Can you just talk a little bit about? how you get your customer? Is it through advertising? Is it through word of mouth? A little bit about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so our my co-founder, Alex, is the one that heads up our, our growth team, um, which is what we call our kind of sales and marketing function of the business. Um, and he has a background in content marketing. Um, so a lot of uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with content marketing, it's what you do oftentimes is write SEO targeted blog posts or just really good high quality blog Yeah, posts. I see a lot of your blog posts on LinkedIn. Yes. So LinkedIn is a second channel that we have, have started to reach out on. So yeah, for, you're good on LinkedIn. Uh, thank you. Thank you. We've been working on it. You know, like it, it's taken time to find that groove. Um, so that um, content marketing through SEO, um, pu- pushing out like, we, we created this big, uh, what we call the people operations playbook that has a whole bunch of ideas for folks for different things they can do for onboarding. And we've, we've kind of crowdsourced and aggregated all of those resources. So during our like first year of business, while Brooks and I were building the product, Alex was building out the like foundations of this content and, nice. and resources. Um, so we get a lot of traffic through the website. 
Uh, we don't use advertising to push people there. The great part about that is that it's, uh, it's free. Um, and then the, uh, now we also do a lot of marketing on LinkedIn. So we're growing our following on LinkedIn. I'm posting on LinkedIn multiple times a week. Um, LinkedIn doesn't like company pages. Um, they like people pages. So as a founder and CEO, I'm the one that is kind of like using the, the brand voice and then our head of people, Clara also pushes out a lot of people ops content as well. Oh, um, very cool. So strategic. Yeah. Yeah. And so those, we kind of drive into a newsletter and we run a newsletter on a weekly basis. Um, that's kind of the, the action that a lot of people take. So then we can, um, have people that are like curious and we continue to provide value, build trust through that content. So then they know us, they trust us. They say, well, well, you know, gather really knows what they're talking about when it comes to people ops. Um, and once they, they feel that, and then they will hopefully do a demo and, um, or, or try out the product and, uh, then we'll work with them and, and, you know, then we kind of go through a typical sales, like sales process or buying mm. process with them. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So you're not taking out hundreds of thousands of dollars of ads. That's cool to know. No, exactly. Definitely not. We, we don't have the, the capital for that. And I think if we did, you know, we'd be, be wasting a lot of them. Um, yeah. When you can just do it, SEO, social media, LinkedIn, that type of thing. That makes yeah, a lot the, of sense. The content marketing strategy is, is one I'm a huge fan of. Um, it does take a lot of time and patience. I think we're still in the like third inning or maybe second inning uh, of like our content strategy. There's a long, long way to go before you're, you're driving a ton of traffic and some of it just takes time. So I would say start early if you're you're thinking about doing that as a, a founder. Um, but that's also not going to maybe get you a lot of sales until later. So it's a useful asset, but during to get those first, I think first like 20 customers for us, it was all like networks and just mm, relationship building. Like, yep. Just a lot of like cold outreach or like some other way to get connected with people. Right. Um, interviews, demos, and like building kind of a list of folks that we could go to, um, and then trying to to catch a few of them at a time that they were were trying to buy. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. So kind of going a little bit off of that. What? So you are in New York. The company mm-hmm. is Cleveland based. What? What gives? Like why? I mean, we're, 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 we're a distributed that. team, right? Like so. Right. So we have our employees. We got one person in Cleveland. Alex is still there. Um, Brooks is now in, in, um, in the Bronx, we have a, a developer who's in Brooklyn. Um, we have, um, a, like Clara who's in Prague, but then we have uh, actually three new venture for America fellows starting in, um, and that's, so we're hiring through that same program. And part of the, the, nice. um, the kind of piece there is that it's creating jobs at startups in emerging entrepreneurial economies. So places like Cleveland. Um, and so those people will all be based in Cleveland. So we'll, we'll then have a little bit of like a co-working space and stuff, but, um, we intend to hire distributed for, for a long time right. and never have like big nexuses. Cause you are all about the remote. So you gotta like, exactly. You gotta practice what you preach. Right. There. That, that was the, that was the phrase that I was <laughs> looking for. Um, okay. So it seems like venture for America was like critical in your growth of this company and you becoming an entrepreneur. Do you feel like, so we went, we went to school together at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. We always ask this, like, do you feel like you're 
college education was similarly helpful? Do you feel like it put you on that path? What do you feel like you gained from that, if anything? <laughs> yeah, if anything. Um, I think I gained a lot from my time at, at Notre Dame. Like a few of the, the things in my college education, some of it might not have been like the classwork or the classroom stuff, but the things oh, that I true. was getting involved in around. So like one of those was a startup weekends that they would have on campus. And so I attended three startup weekends over the course of my time. At oh, I remember those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Startup weekend is a, it's a like international organization that does these all over the country or all over the world all the time. And they um, it's an awesome way to get your start. I actually, one of the people that went through the venture for America accelerator with us, met his co-founders at a startup weekend in San Antonio oh, wow. and their business is growing really well. Um, take notes, so, all you future entrepreneurs yeah, out there. These are good it, resources. Startup weekends are fantastic. Um, so that like, I think was the first exposure to be like, oh, this is what this world would be like, uh, you know, that I, the, the world of tech and of startups, like I was so unfamiliar with before then. Um, and I think that, so that's, um, I, I think the other piece of it is I was able to study, um, I was in a, a cool program that was a dual degree between engineering and uh, what it, at the at Notre Dame is called arts and letters, which is just like the humanities. And so I was able to study both design and engineering, which gave me the nice opportunity balance, to yeah. like a technical side and like a em- empathetic, like user-based side. And so I, I think like in general, any sort of multidisciplinary learning is great, like training ground, like great entrepreneurial yeah. training ground. Totally. And, and from that, that led you to VFA, right? Like Notre Dame. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yep. So, so, you know, VFA is a, like, it's a competitive program to get into as well. So the experiences that I had there were, were great. Um, And the one, one of the ones that was also great was Notre Dame has a program called the shirt, um, which is like a fan. Oh yeah. You were big on that. I was. Yeah. I, um, I ran that in my junior year and like, um, they sell 150,000 shirts every year. Um, and so it's, crazy. it's wow. pretty wild. And, uh, it's almost like Still a million dollars in, in like charity that we raise. Um, and so wow. such um, a cool program. You're, you're basically running a small business, right? At that stage, like I was learning about, I, I got to go visit the factory where the like shirts are made and like going through a full product development process and like seeing that. So work cool. That was always um, so exciting. Like the launch of the shirt. What color is it going to be this year? Yeah. <laughs> I was always in the know. So I, you know, I wasn't yeah. as excited, but I was anxious to see what everyone would say, you know, if they would critique it or love it. But thankfully we oh had good receptions for the, some of the ones that, that uh, I was a part Yeah, of. they were great. I have them all still. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about these startup incubators? Uh, like, Tell our audience a little bit, like the basics of it. I know you talked about it a little bit, but, mm-hmm. and who should be interested in that? Like what, and how should they prepare for it? I know that's yeah. a loaded question. Totally. No. So, so a startup like accelerator or incubator is often a great like stair step into starting your business. Um, what they provide is either sometimes capital, um, usually some sort of like curriculum or, or like accelerated um, just like your work, you, you work on double time when you're, a, when you're in the accelerator and they're really pushing you to like go super fast. Um, and it's not like, it's a very concentrated period of time, usually like three months where you come in, 
people are at all different stages of the business. Some people have revenue, some people are pre-revenue, some people are like really early in their, their ideation. And the goal is to get you to some milestone afterwards right. that is significant. Um, and oftentimes the ending point is also to fundraise. And so it, um, that gives you kind of that entrance in or, or like on-ramp onto fundraising. Um, and also equipping you with the skills that you need to do all of those things. Wow. So, um, Y Combinator is a well-known one. They also have a, a like training program if you want to get ready for it called YC Startup School. Um, that's an awesome like online Good to know. training program. Also, they have a, a great tool they just launched for co-founder matching, you know, um, which is another oh, that's cool. That's cool, smart. Cool space. Um, so helping, you know, pre-qualifies the folks that are in that portal are going to be the few people like that I was talking about earlier who want to start a business, right? Yeah, um, which exactly. Is a big so along the way, you've had all these incredible incubators you've been a part of, great journey of entrepreneurship. What uh, failures have you had along the way? Mm. How have you overcome them? Talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think during the VFA accelerator, during our first, like that first product that I built that I talked about earlier, where we had 10 people using it, um, it really, it, it was like a fun tool and it was like some, it was like moderately useful. Um, but there's a difference between a moderately useful tool or even a very useful tool in a business and something mm-hmm. that like, um, we had to expand as a designer, I was looking for problems to solve and we had to expand our vision, you know, beyond just solving a very niche and specific problem right. into like, what could this be globally? And, um, one of those things was accepting like, all right, this thing, yes, we put a lot of work into it at that time we had, you know, spent six months developing it. Um, and we had to just shelf that and say, okay, like, well, what, what, what have we learned over the last, like all of this time in testing? And we mm-hmm. used a process called the design sprint to do that. Um, which is again, just like a very focused, like one week chance to like explore another concept. Um, Interesting. these are all great this, resources, design, great sprint. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Design sprint. There's a book on it. We followed the book to a T and it was, it was great. Like it really did work out. We, we ended up like with a new vision for the company that involved these workflows or automations built around uh, important moments in the employee journey or employee experience. So the onboardings, okay. the offboardings, the birthdays, the work anniversaries. Um, and we had a lot of like data and, and we'd read academic papers about like these moments and how they can impact retention. And so it, it felt like we had real backing there and we were able to set a new vision for like, this is where we're going. Um, uh, okay. And that's the vision that we then pitched and won the start, like the competitions out of. So that was a big, like, it was a failure in terms of like this product didn't work out. And then it was like a, a pivot, but not like, full right. pivot. you know, we didn't change industries or change. Like it was like a critical failure because otherwise you wouldn't have found this new idea. Exactly. We probably would have quit and given up if we had just said like, all right, yep, this really isn't like working totally. Like we can, right. like done out of here. Yep. And if we had tried to pitch that thing that we were doing before, people would have been like, what? Like, okay. You know, yeah, like, like we this wouldn't have won those sense. pitch competitions. So those kind of things, those, those changes, of course, um, that was one of the big ones. Um, and probably yeah, I feel like the, failures like, harder, are, are failures. necessary for the learning process for sure. Yeah. And we've had, we've had some interesting like failures with the product where like, you know, um, actually with that first customer hauler, we one day accidentally sent out like, uh, 
80 messages to every person at the company, like all at once. And so they just all got bombarded with Slack messages Oops. and everyone was just like, oh, no. it won't stop. So like the bots, the bots got a mind of its own. Oh, and my that God. was, you know, like, um, that was a really like <laughs> humbling moment of like, okay, we created something that's like maybe dangerous, you know, um, <laughs> robots taking over. AI, AI. <laughs> right. right. So we were a little bit like, uh, you know, we knew what, what was happening and, and we were able to like laugh it off. Thankfully, it was like a customer that we knew and, and had like close relationships with um, and were able to like resolve the problem and put in safeguards for the future so that that doesn't happen. <laughs> awesome. If you were to go back, you know, five, 10 years, I don't even know how old you are. So it's, you'd probably be a kid. Well, we're the same age. So you know how old I am. Okay. If you were to go back, say seven years to your 20 year old self, what advice would you have that you've learned over time that you wish you knew then? Hmm. I I think uh, it would just be to be patient. And like, I, at that time was like, oh, I'm totally going to try to start a company now. Like I need to do this now. And, um, I think even still, I would just reinforce the like idea of like being patient. Um, I mean, with our, with this business, like it may not be on like a crazy hyper growth right now, but like it's growing and like, we're, we're, good we're things like, take time good things take time and like we're learning and we're iterating and we're, we're changing. And so like, it's okay to, you know, you want to move fast, but like, I think, um, yeah, I, I would just be, it's amazing what time will start to like help you navigate in the, in the right. right. Yeah. I feel like that's so important. Just like being patient, taking the time. So uh, flip side of that, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you see gather mm. what, what are your goals for the future? Oh man. Uh, I mean, I hope we've grown a, a really amazing company that we have helped and supported a ton of people up folks and created like real change in that world and in that industry. Um, and also just that, that the, the field of people operations and HR has grown, um, which I, I think it is. Um, it's post pandemic is, has been a, a place where a lot of companies are investing. So personally, I think I, I hope we're still running the business and running it well and have amazing employees that we're supporting and providing great jobs. And, uh, okay, so you're not looking to like to sell or anything like Jump that. Like, ship. Get yeah. I mean, you know, we could, uh, but like, I, I don't want to foretell that, you know, I think those are the things sure, that sure. are opportunistic. Um, right. If it like, comes up, I, it comes up. Exactly. But like, what am I thinking about more? I'm thinking about like, how do we grow a great company? Yeah. You know? How are we the best we can be? Good answer. So a question Very we, political. yeah, exactly. A question <laughs> his investors are listening. <laughs> he knows how to speak on these podcasts. Okay. A question we ask all of our guests. I'm curious to get your view on this. Do you think entrepreneurs are born or are they made? Ooh, uh, definitely made. Yeah. I don't think you can say that anyone is just born out of the gate to, to be this. <laughs> Uh, Someone has answered that way, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like I could I could see it. I do think like like made, though, is in is not just in your like work career or like those sorts of things or, or the work that you're putting in while you're doing it. I think that there's a lot of personality traits that like and 
I, I guess you could also make an argument. There's a good amount of, I think, like people who are entrepreneurs tend more likely have, have privilege and have the ability to do that and the ability to take those risks. And so um, I think that's an important thing to call and recognize that in some way you can be born into, into that privilege to be able to have totally. the opportunity for that. Yeah. Makes it easier to pursue that. Well, John, our time's up. Unfortunately, we could keep talking forever. We have millions of questions, but we try and keep it under a <laughs> yeah, certain time. Yeah, this was time. great. Yeah. So where can people it. find you? On LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. You know, that's my, um, He's my great on LinkedIn. I'm there. So yeah, search for John Wetzel, W-E-T-Z-E-L. Like Wetzel's pretzels. Exactly. You got it. <laughs> Any relation? I wish. He, he uh, said yeah. that in his That's survey. My... Oh, he did? <laughs> He's like, just so you know, no relation to what's <laughs> That's funny. I was like, can we get family discount or? I wish. Um, I wish. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well, well thank you. Think Maybe I that's where I'll be in 10 years is running a Wetzel's yes. <laughs> in a mall. Oh my gosh. In a mall. <laughs> With great people's operations. Exactly. They'll have amazing people ops. It'll be great. Awesome. That's well, so, so great having you, John. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for Thanks coming. Thanks so much, on. AJ. Thanks so much, Caitlin. Wow. Super interesting stuff. Killer Great conversation. for budding entrepreneurs. Oh my gosh. Definitely yeah. longer than 40 minutes, but we're good. Uh, tune in <laughs> next time, folks. See you soon. See ya. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the 40 Under 40 podcast with Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort and we'll catch you in the next episode.